It's about history. It's about preservation. It's about sense of place here on Eastern Long Island. With Esperanza Leon, I'm Erwin Levy, and this is Our Hamptons. Esperanza. Hello, Erwin. Good morning. Good morning. And yes, this is, we tend to do this a lot of times in the afternoon, but um, for, yes, some, but for some reason. Yes, good day to you. <laughs> yes, a good day. We, we, we are doing a 9 a.m. or today for whatever various reasons, mainly because we have a very special guest today that I'm looking forward to. You know, Esperanza, um, the main streets, the downtown areas um, have been a frequent theme on our Hamptons. We've touched on it. You know, we even touched on it on our um, on the episode that actually closed our first season all those months ago. Um, places we miss, you know, the the downtowns, how different they've been. And in that vein, we've brought in a realtor broker who has really specialized in the commercial end of real estate throughout the whole East End. And no better time to introduce him than right now. So let us introduce Great. Hal Zwick. Hal, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Good to be here today. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, now, well, Hal is a fascinating guy. We're not, <coughs> and what, he really is. We're not going to, and we can't make this a Hal's with personal interview, despite the fact that our fans are probably clamoring for it. But um, <laughs> Hal, when you first got out here, just to give our audience a little bit of background, you came out here, you said about 22 years ago. Am I correct? Actually, it'd be 25 years in June. Oh, OK. So, ah, so you've reached the quarter century. Point, <laughs> yeah. At that point, I was told that you're not a local until you're here for 25 years. Is that so how we'll it works? I'm considered a local come this June. Um, I, I, you know, full disclosure, Esperanza, you know, when Hal and I had a little conversation before this episode aired, you know, I gave him a certain Queens vernacular, uh, with the acronym NFW, you know what that stands for <laughs> in terms of Hal being a local. So, um, uh, but anyway, we could, we, we can all romanticize that as, right. as, as we do, as, as we do. So you've been out here for, um, for 25 years. So, um, and before we get into the whole thing, which is going to be the subject of this episode of our Hamptons, the downtown areas and everything else, um, you actually own two very well-known, popular businesses out here. And that was that when you first came out here, Al? Tell us. Yeah, I came out that. in 98. And then at the end of that year, <laughs> I actually purchased the Bookhampton stores wow. in East Hampton and South Hampton. And I purchased the Snowflake. Then a year later, I purchased the Paradise in Sag Harbor and opened up the bookstore there. Wow, that is a so. Not only do you have um, not only has you, is your lane commercial real estate professionally now. You really started out as a merchant, uh, in in a sense out here. So, did has I, I'm going to make the educated guess, Esperanza? Would you agree that probably served how well? Uh, being, oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I yeah. I, I would say that, you know, I think that about commercial real estate out here in particular, it makes you even more familiar with your terrain, right? right. I mean, it's I had owned businesses, I had owned real estate, 
and was involved in the restaurant business, which to this day is still one of the cornerstones of commercial activity out here, mm. especially based on the turnover of the restaurants out here. I was just going to say, because the restaurant business out here is a very challenging one. Exactly. And I think even last year alone, we were involved with 15 restaurant and food takeout places. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So now, so how your arrival was sort of, you know, and, and we... There was an article I re, uh, Esperanza and I both read. We we forwarded to Hal just that I found randomly while doing some research. A New York Times article from 1995. So this was a little. It, it was before Hal got out here, but it was basically about the downtown areas. You know, specifically East Hampton, but it touched on South Hampton as well. And even in 95, which I really found this hard to believe. Now I've been out here since 89. Esperanza's lived out here since uh, she's five years old. Um, but So that was, yeah, about 89. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Esperance is very well preserved. She looks far younger than she claims to be. So I've never actually, but uh, we don't discuss ages on our Hamptons. Um, I mean, Coach was already here. Donna Karen was already here. So uh, well, remember, Zona... Coach was the out, Coach was an outlet store. Right. Okay. And um, really Ralph Lauren, before I got here and when I got here, was really the key national retailer. And then things started to explode in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. um, I would say after the 9-11 mini recession, yeah. up until 2008 is when everything exploded and buildings were being sold, leases were up, landlords realized the national people wanted to come out here and rents tripled. Yeah. Uh, don't you think that, I mean, my my recollection is that this uh, changing face of Main Street really started, in my opinion, in Southampton before it started in East Hampton. And then it kind of has traveled to East Hampton to be so explosive. And now Southampton feels a little more hometowny than even East Hampton is now. I don't know. I just feel like it was an earlier influx in Southampton. But it's interesting. East Hampton had a little more of the luxury retailers and more of a year-round weekend population. So um, the national retailers that had stores in both places, it used to be that East Hampton accounted for about 60% of the sales and Southampton 40. It's mm. evened out a little more now. Mm -hmm. um, the pro the p retailers looked for East Hampton first, but because the stores were larger and the rents were higher, that's when they went to Southampton and Southampton ended up building a very nice mix of retailers. Mm. Also, Southampton has a lot of smaller stores versus East Hampton. It allowed the out-of-pocket rent to be less. So it allowed more people to try the Hamptons and um, Southampton's a larger retail district as well. Yeah. So there's more is. stores that Main Street is larger, Job's Lane is larger than Newtown Lane. You have Hampton Road, you have Windmill and Hill Street. So um, Southampton actually was almost, there were so many empty stores up until the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And when the pandemic came and everybody wanted to be out here, everything got filled up. And Southampton has become a vibrant, totally vibrant um, retail community, yeah. equal to, to East Hampton these days. Yeah. Well, vibrant, but seasonal still, no? It is going back to being seasonal. Mm -hmm. um, all of the retailers and the restaurant people said 
every week after Labor Day, there were less and less people here. Definitely. So there was Definitely. less people in the retail stores, less people in the restaurants. Come Friday, there was more people out here because they did were able to split their work between the city and here. So the weekends were much busier. Um, it was busy through this week. We do expect that we're going back to almost pre-COVID levels now. Yeah. So like any holidays tend to bring the... the exactly. But it's going to be quiet influx. for January, February, March. Even a lot of the retirees at least go to Florida or someplace warm for like after the holidays for the winter. Um, off, you know, office demand has now gone down, hmm. which you couldn't find an office. That is something I've just heard of like six office tenants that are not renewing also the galleries most of them that came out just at COVID are leaving yeah yeah the auction houses and those yeah. things yeah galleries yeah yeah mm -hmm. it's interesting the the changes but that that changing face I wondered also if if you could touch on I mean I don't know Southampton as well but East Hampton I'm thinking about East Hampton being both Main Street and Newtown Lane historic districts and I just wondered um how that plays into your your business and how you approach these um sales of buildings when they do take place in informing your you know your buyer about that particular detail because i think that that has a lot to do with this uh, sense of place that erwin and i are always talking about you know the historic districts are historic districts for a reason right. um and i can personally attest that East Hampton has changed, not tremendously, but I see the changing tide of, you know, uh, not just the stores that are coming in, but there are changes to the buildings that have been, that have changed the face of Main Street. Uh, yes, um, because, you know, the people, most of the buildings were owned by local people, generations who were here for a long time. Right. And many of them had businesses within those buildings. And then they realized that because of seasonality, they can make more money being a landlord. Yeah, they cashed that, out. That, <laughs> they cashed out. That's... As much as they might complain about how uh, the village has changed, the type of retailers, you can't go to a shoe repair place or whatever, they cashed out, which they were certainly entitled to do. But because of what um, the people generally from the city paid for the buildings, they were expecting um, to get much higher rents. And it was at that time that the retailers, the national retailers and even independent retailers who had a couple of stores in Soho or Upper East Side wanted to be out here because their customers were here or they had homes. And they saw the rents in East Hampton and Southampton very reasonable compared to Manhattan. So this they were willing to pay. If a rent used to be 50,000, but in Manhattan, they were paying 400 and somebody was asking 150. They thought that was fine. This is sort of exactly where Esperanza Hell is actually segueing for it's, us also. Yeah, it's it's yeah. amazing how we get all of these segues. But that's exactly what I wanted to touch on. Because Now, again, I know you came out in 98. We're referring to this article um, from 1995. Right. Um, but. My question is, I'd like to just scale it back. Like, what did when you started getting involved, both as a retailer and owner operator of your own small businesses, and also um, getting involved in your current uh, field? Um, what when did the real 
transformation of the mom and pops. And this is a great point you made, which I want to get back to about how they, the local real, re retailers did sell up. When did it really start that it transformed from all of these mom and pops? Was was East Hampton and Esperanza, you could probably weigh in on this as well. Was it the late 80s that it was really mostly mom and pops that predated the oh. Ralph Lauren's and everything else, right? Yeah, I think, so. I think, I mean, I think even the article in 1995 talks about, you know, I remember diamonds and other right. places that it mentions. And it, at that point they were cashing out as we're saying um, for whatever reasons that they had. Um, but I, you know, Hal can speak probably more to that, but it just definitely, I think that uh, the nineties was the, was the real tide change. Right, because the seasonality was still very prevalent back in the 90s. And quite honestly, the local families and the local businesses were really working hard. And whatever profits they made over the summer, they basically ended up giving back over the winter. Right. But I'm, I'm, curious, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm curious about one thing, though, because seasonality wouldn't really affect a, you know, a hardware store per se, you know, like. Yes, it, no, it does. Because if you have, if, because I actually, you know, know the hard, like if you look in the hardware store, the city people, whether it's weekend people or the seasonal people, they shop in the hardware store continually. So the business is still focused. Yes, the hardware store is year round, but like the hardware store in East Hampton, he keeps his staff year round. Yes. And yeah. he's very good to his staff. His, you know, he owns the building, but um, his taxes don't change. But still, a majority of his sales are April through October. No, I, I understand that. But my point being that it used to be a downtown that you could just come go and get your, oh, yeah. your necessities and so was all nowadays people have to travel distances to do that or they just order on amazon or whatever it is right. i mean There's do you no think that that has something to do stores whereas right. even when i moved out here you had an amagansett you had that i forget the name the great clothing store that just appealed to everybody lacarubas yeah yes. lacarubas was... it was something else um for a long time but yes but the lacarubas still on the building yes um but you don't have clothing stores where that are owned by the locals with a local shop. They go to Riverhead or they buy online. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I, yeah. The, the, this, the East Hampton, and we've heard this term used, I've read this term, how, um, and, you know, you touched on it. It's predominantly, for lack of a better term, it's a high-end mall without a roof at this point. And, right. um, you know, we're going to get into, as as we move along, the best for Trey, the new star columnist and the Anchor Society will hold that for a bit later on. But it was just fueled by all of this. Now, um, that 1995 article, just to give our audience a little bit of perspective here, talked about how the price per foot in Southampton at the time 35 to 45 dollars you know a little bit higher maybe in east hampton just to give our and again this is going to sort of um parallel the national chains you know the new york city influx of money coming in um the price points today in a place like an east hampton village or a southampton village how does it compare you already brought up New York City, but what about an upscale up island suburb, you know, a Long Island suburb that's more up island 
Roslyn's areas like that that are Probably like um, the American Manhasset, yes, the Americana. Okay. Right. Um, that's about the same because right. you know they basically you know they're a little softer in the summer. But I will, in fact, because my sister lives over there. So when I go there, I will drive through Americana and I will see what stores are there. And it's every store that's in East and South Hampton is there. And then also a lot of the stores that came to look here, but decided not to come here are there. Yeah. So yeah. that they actually ends up paying a little more depending on the size of the store. Yeah. Um, I used to live in Great Neck, so that was sort of about a mile from where I used to live. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, the, um, you know, I used to have an expression. It was the place almost reeked of affluence. Like, I mean, yes. every car in the parking lot. I mean, there was, uh, to Esperanza's point, uh, there were no staples to be had in the Americana shopping center. No. I mean, that was literally, no. uh, you know, uh, you were buying just high end stuff. But, exactly. uh, you know, but. So the price per foot in is it's comparable to an Americana, still not New York City levels. But, no, to, no. but to your point, um, a lot of these stores just wanted, you know, Ralph Lauren comes to mind, you know, wanted a presence here. They were, in a sense, Hal, I'll put this question to you. Were they willing to no one goes into business to lose money? We understand that. But was the presence unless being, it's a tax write-off yeah right okay. or just a marketing expense but but was it for these for these retailers it was possibly just they wanted the presence and it didn't the the real whether they were in the red and or the black in the physical space was almost secondary would that be well, a fair up statement? until the recession in 2008 it was important for them to be here from a pr perspective from a marketing perspective and was it the most profitable stores in the network no Right. That did change after the recession, where they did not want to lose money, which is why after the recession, you did see a lot of the very high end nationals, the Hermeses, the Gucci's. Right. They all left and did not come back you know, some, until, you know, before the pandemic, to be honest with you. Right. So and what we had was after the recession, we had a lot of independent retailers who might have had from one to 15 stores. They were in Soho, they were in Palm right. Beach, they were in select areas. They opened up out here and they made money, not right. much money, but their overhead was less. They didn't have a big corporate structure. Their customers were here, sometimes the owners of the store. And that's a big thing. You can always tell who's here is based upon the owners or the executives of the company usually have a home out here. Right. Yeah. Yes. We've uh, and that pushes it. To be honest with yeah. you, yeah. Esperanza, we've touched on that from time to time on, on in our Hamptons. How you that, look at Mickey Drexler, Ralph Lauren, <laughs> Ellie Tahari, and a lot of the other people—they all have homes out here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what brought their businesses here initially. You think that is that ego part of it, or just? Um, I mean, well, I no, they see. They understood. They go into the restaurants. They go into the stores. They would see their customers from the city. Yeah, I see. And they and they and they also knew how quiet their business was in June, July, and August, and into September. So they knew the customers were out here. They figured if their out of pocket costs were in line, then it was worth having. Yeah, I, I guess. And makes... so a lot of them still have made a lot of money out here. Yeah, I guess. And invested. You know, Eli Tahari, I think, bought that building at one main street. He owns the, six buildings out here. Yes. Right. So, I mean, there, there is. Yeah. So there is something like that. But mm -hmm. now talking about bustling downtowns. Now, it's my perception. 
I mean, I th- it's a perception. The most bustling village down out here to me seems to be Sag Harbor um, in terms of just, we'll call it, Esperanza, you think this is a fair term, like the energy on the streets seems to be higher in Sag Harbor. I don't know if that's due to the night. Well, here's the reason. 35 years ago, they put a sewer system in. That allowed for wet use. More, just more like restaurants, yeah. So you have the restaurants and you have the food takeouts. It is a destination because of that. And also the character of the retailers, you don't have the very, very high-end retailers there. Um, and it's more of the independents, the, you know, they're moving in, believe me, right. the Faradays and other people, but you don't see the Gucci's and the Prada's there. Um, and, um, but it really has to do with the sewer system. Bay Street Theater attracts people. What they've done in Sag Harbor movie theater, the church, there's social reasons to go to Sag Harbor, but it all surrounds food. And, yeah. and that is why West Hampton Beach transformed its local downtown because they their sewer system has now been connected. Southampton and East Hampton are desperately trying to put sewer systems in. Both mayors now say it's probably four to six years away, though. Right. And, and that's interesting. Now, how about the factor? Um, again, this is perception. Maybe it's reality. But I, I these, there seem to be more owner operators in Sag Harbor Village than there are in East Hampton. Like there hasn't been, and I guess this corresponds to exactly what you said. Um, it, there are, there's less of a New York presence, less of those. I mean, I mean, I remember in the off seasons at East Hampton Village, Jess Bronza could speak to this also when some of these stores would close down, you know, because it became a term called pop-ups, every four rent sign said two, one, two, you know, I mean, they were all right. New York city owned Sag Harbor. Um, you know, we, there are, you, know, you have the variety store, you know, I think in-home probably owns their, pro- I think owns their property when they in-home were forced out. In-home renting in East Hampton. Right. And their rent was going to go way up. So they looked for a building and they purchased their building about 23 years ago. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah that and, was a, you know, Sylvester yeah. and Company is a mainstay in Sag Harbor for about 30 years. The general store, obviously Scavone's in the hardware store. Right. And those are big chunks of real estate. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, st- but you have the kite store and a few of those stores over there. It is evolving though, because city people, you know, like the Faradays and um, Love Shack Fancy and other like independent type retailers. As soon as there's an opening, it's there's a there's a bidding war. Wow. I mean, we are getting the rents in Sag Harbor to cost per square foot. To be honest with you, we're getting higher than East and South. Oh my gosh. Because of supply and demand. And then the stores aren't that large either. Wow. For the most part. So how how do you, I mean, I want to get back to, you know, how how you see, because in that 1995 article, I think uh, Henry Hildreth, you know, says something like, you know, it's okay, it's fine that we get this upscaling, but, you know, you don't want it to look, there can't be too much sameness. Like if this becomes anywhere USA or anywhere world, then what well, there's actually, no reason what I've really said to so. my la- all my landlords is when we have vacancies, we don't necessarily need any more upscale women's clothing stores. Right. We need more of home furnishings, accessories, things like that that are going to draw people into the village. 
more unique things also. Exactly. I mean, it just, it becomes, you know, if we want to have gap here, then then it does become the outdoor mall. And, and again, I mean, going back to the, the, what I mentioned about historic districts and Sag Harbor is probably one of those as well. Um, you know, it just, it starts really changing the face of the, even just the facades. They're, they're completely changing. So it's no longer the same historic little village. And that's well, what I fear for Sag Harbor. <laughs> yeah, but even all, all the villages, they, their architecture review board or design review board, whatever they're called in each community, they do monitor things. Um, Not you enough. might have more glass, <laughs> you know, frontages thank you exactly yes yeah. yeah these by the way esperanza quite a somber our hamptons episode i must no say. not at all <laughs> not at all but it's you know these are really important they're, matters but i you know i think we're all we all care about where we live and we want to be in a place that is actually as you were saying vibrant but also vibrant the year round and vibrant for everybody yeah well if you look i you know we receive so many phone calls we want to open up just a hamburger takeout in East Hampton. Right. There's no place to open it no. until there's a sewer system. Yeah. So once the sewer system comes in, which is a few years off, and believe me, Jerry Lawson, that's his top priority. Yes. But you know, there's a lot of red tape, obviously, and there's a process with Suffolk County and so on and so forth. Um, that will change it because once we have a sewer system in both East and South, that will bring in some more restaurants and a lot more, even takeout. And takeout appeals to everybody. But, but you know, there is like this overview I have. And, you know, we could touch on this in a lot of ways. We did an episode on Bridgehampton Commons where, you know, it was, it's the 50th anniversary of right. Bridgehampton Commons. And uh, the, the article we referred to how there was really no other place for Bridgehampton Commons. It was sort of, it wasn't going to be in the sort of, the upscale Southampton slash East Hampton, especially circa 1972 when it when it came to being. But, you know, Bridgehampton was the likely place. And then Riverhead assumed, uh, you know, the big box stores and everything else. But East Hampton and Southampton and we're, you know, we're discussing Sag Harbor also, which is has the big difference being the sewage system, which really is illuminating. So funny, I always knew about that issue, but it really the way you put it, it really illuminated so much of why it's perceived to be the more vibrant, but the East Hampton and Southampton always had this more upscale kind of vibe and the New York City staples. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, each place had its own, to Esperanza's point, how we're trying to preserve their personalities. Each one of these, their personalities have evolved. Right, you know? right. And they become, that's what I was trying to get at also, right. is that sameness, because now, you know, in East Hampton, people are like, well, why isn't this more like Sag Harbor? And it's like, well, because right. Sag Harbor is Sag Harbor. Right. Right. And East Hampton had always had its own character, and then it changed. Right. And then Southampton is something else as well, you know, so it's like, each village and each town has its distinctiveness. Right. And we want to maintain that. Yeah. And you even Bridgehampton is a bomb. Yeah. Well, Rich Mansion used to be Completely. more insurance and antique places. Right. Mm -hmm. The antique places have basically moved on. The insurance agencies have moved on. And some traditional retailers have started moving into Bridgehampton the last few years. Yeah, it's actually it's, it's actually fun to go to Bridgehampton yep. now. Yes, but, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, there's more of a reason to walk the street in Bridgehampton. Yes. yes. But you know, Hal, um, and again, talking about... and. Uh, 
talking about how Southampton, East Hampton, I'm not going to say they're mimicking each other, but they're it, it, it's Southampton and East Hampton are closer than Southampton is to Sag Harbor in terms oh, of vibe and everything else. But right. but I think it could also be said, I mean, this is not just a regional issue. I mean, and I've spoke, you, you travel where you can go in Europe. You know, you go down, you, you travel in London, you travel in Paris, you're going to see the same stores that you see in Americana. And that's you see, exactly, you know, the yes. world part of it, I think, is globalization. How, yeah, <laughs> globalization. I mean, the world is a smaller place. It's shrinking. And um, so the sameness that Esperanza is referring to here, um, in fairness, is not just the sameness to this region. It's no know, to- well, Main it's- Street, Tokyo looks probably yes. like Main Street, East Hampton. Well, even the last few years, you know, there's been a, a dichotomy between South and East Hampton and Palm Beach. Yes. Whereas galleries, retailers, even some restaurant people, they basically realize that they've they Palm Beach has exploded with you know COVID as well. But a lot of the Hamptons people are in Palm Beach, you know, over COVID for the last two years and even right. in the winter. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. We should probably start moving towards wrapping this up. And I think uh, this is sort of, Esperanza, I think this is sort of segueing very naturally into this. Uh, yes, our Hamptons audience, we do have a little bit of an outline here and we're hoping it was going to segue naturally, but I think it has. Now, the Anchor Society, and Esperanza and I have discussed this. This is Best Rattray's project. In no, a they, sense. I, they've spoken to me about this. Okay, perfect. So they've called ha- and you know, they've asked for, potential locations, so on and so forth. Yes. But just just before we get it, just to give a background, so we our audience is clear as we start to wind this down. Um, the Anchor Society, and I'm in a very basic definition, Hal and Esperanza, I'd say it's sort of the goal of bringing a general store to our downtown via government involvement, potential use of community preservation funds, what right. have you. If it's a historic building. Yeah. If it's a historic building, Esperanza, correct. Um, so... And this is something that goes right back to our episode one, you know, Paul Goldberger, the first episode we ever did for our Hamptons. Uh, we're not a museum, right. you know, and where it's normal human behavior to romanticize the past. We all do it. We did it on this episode, quite frankly. Um, but Hal, um, is this an exercise in futility, something like the Anchor Society? Is it a pipe dream? Is it just a romantic notion? Or is there meat on this bone? There is meat. There are some, from what I understand, and I'm not intimately involved, but I've been had conversations with a few of the principals, three okay. of the principals, um, and their attorney as well. Um, there is financial backing behind it as well. So, and what they're looking to do is, you know, a general store in East Hampton where it would appeal to the local people year round, have a variety of different types of product, not necessarily like the general store, the Five and Diamond Sag Harbor, but maybe something between the Five and Diamond Sylvester and Company. Or Hildreth, yeah, something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, and that, I have not heard in the last couple of months, but, you know, there's some buildings that, you know, three buildings that were pinpointed and they're doing their business plan. That's great. Wow. That's like, I'm, I'm, I can only hope because I think that, you know, I just learned recently and I, maybe, you know, this, but high schoolers hang out at, at the LVIS. 
Wow. They do. And at the library. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, the yes. LVIS, they go through yes. thing, right? I mean, it's... Wow. <laughs> this is like an so, Hampton scoop. Esperanza. I know, I know. Yeah, and I, just, know I loved hearing that, but I think that's part of this whole vibrancy of a community is offering places for all ages to go, hang out, purchase things. You know, it just, it's, that's right. part of... Exactly. Our community life, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, Esperanza, I remember you Vital. alluding. I remember you alluding to that when you were growing up here and walking to the hardware store and buying those those bracelets. To oh, the Madonna, Madonna bracelets. Era. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. So I, I mean, yeah. So I mean, it's I, that really it is sort of a national natural progression. Yeah. I mean, I look. I think I think we'd all sort of like to see this. I sort of a back to the future kind of vibe. Look. Um, Every place evolves, every place changes. And uh, it's not, again, it's really, it's not just a regional issue. It's a And we go issue. through ups and downs with the economy. Right. You know, we're now going to be post-COVID and maybe have 23 might not be as good a year from an economics perspective. We're going to see what happens when some of these high-end leases are up. Yeah. yeah. We don't know. You know, they've done well to date, but... Now that we're back to greater seasonality and, you know, economic downturn, we'll see what happens with leases that are up in a year or two. Right. Because we've seen, you know, while we've seen some come back year after year, we've also seen, you know, we've seen a Tiffany's that came and went and, exactly. and things like that. So, uh, and they you know, were here for 10 years. Yeah. And they, yeah, it wasn't so, it wasn't such a blip. It was actually a pretty I, good I, was 10 well, years. I can't believe that. Then. I, wow. That I didn't realize. But, no. Um, yeah. Well, that was. As long as we don't lose our movie theater. I, I, yes. Yes. yes <laughs> that. It, it, will will be there the owner of that theater i've had conversations with him he will guarantee that that stays a movie theater hooray wow. and, have... and looking forward to hearing what happens in southampton there I, 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 well exactly. southampton they are going to make it a movie theater place for concerts local events from what i understand he wants to see if we'll get approval to put a rooftop restaurant who okay. knows well listen, but at yeah. least it will be an entertainment venue Sort of like Sag Harbor. Yeah. There's not there's the cinema, movies, yeah. there's events, there could be mm -hmm. concerts, you know, smaller concerts, which will be track people to the village. Yeah. Anything that contributes to that vitality of a of a community. And is... it helps the restaurants as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah. yeah, and I think Esperanza's um word in there again, the prob maybe the most common theme of our Hamptons of all community. Because at the end yes. of the day, that's what we are, that's what we want to be a part of and it's just about that sense of place and right. let it be. So, um, Hal's Wick, um, anyone that wants to reach Hal's Wick, it's hal.zwick at compass.com. He is, uh, he is the go-to in commercial real estate on the East end. And I think all he, I think a lot of what he brought out sort of expresses that this guy, this guy had some good inside dirt, Esperanza. <laughs> 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 he really, he really did. So Hal, Thank you so much for visiting. Our okay. Heavens. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for your time. That was good. Bye. Bye, bye bye. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. New episodes of Our Hamptons are released every other Tuesday. Find them wherever you get your podcasts.